This is Free Talk Live. It is the Saturday edition. We're here in the studio with you. We are not taking the weekend off because it's New Year's. Uh, it is New Year's weekend, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number, and we hope that, uh, of course, you have a happy New Year's. 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. And you, as always, can bring up whatever's on your mind. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. You can uh, can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so do enjoy those. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We're starting things out by going to the phones, because this is the show about your calls. So let's talk to Ryan in Texas on the Amplifier line. Hello, Ryan. Hi, how are y'all doing? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I just walked up and down several busy streets in Dallas today looking for cigarettes. People say <laughs> that um, people say that the new tax is going to get people to quit smoking. Well, then tell me why everybody was sold out of all the brands I wanted today. <laughs> Everybody's stocking up, and it took me quite a while to find anything. Wow, we're talking. You're talking about the 343 percent increase in taxes that's going to be taking effect as of, I believe, Monday, Monday. morning. In, yep. uh, in the entire state of Texas, a 343% increase. They're taking it from $0.41 cents per pack on the state level to $1.41 per pack. Right. So and, that comes out to a $20, $25 carton of cigarettes is now going to be $35. That's a real increase. Yeah, it is a real increase. And they seem to really believe that this is going to keep uh, not only adults from smoking, but also kids from smoking. Now, I don't know what to... I don't believe that for one second. The last thing they want is for that to happen because they're using this money to offset other taxes. If people quit smoking, they're broke and will end up with an income tax in the state. Well, that's true. Um, I, and I'm sure what they're doing is they, they estimate the number of people that they expect to quit smoking will be far less than the number of people that will continue smoking. I think it was only like 100,000 people that they estimated would quit. They also estimated 200-something thousand kids would so-called never start because of the increased prices, which is just absurd. I mean, I don't know how old you were, uh, Ryan, when you started smoking cigarettes. Uh, do you remember that? I was actually 19. 19, okay. So technically not a child, but uh, or a, right. a, a very young person. But a lot of kids start when they're uh, you know, 15, 14, 13. And in those cases, especially at 16, when you can have a job as a kid... It's no big deal to buy cigarettes. I mean, you don't pay rent, you don't pay the power bill, you don't pay the cable bill, you got nothing but disposable income. I don't think an extra buck on top of the, the pack of cigarettes is really going to be a major factor in a child's decision to smoke. Not to mention that, but actually cigarettes themselves, without the taxes, have gone down in price over time, Okay, um, like so many things have. Um, you, you look at computers, you look at... Uh, um, you know, plastic crap you buy at Walmart. If you look at a bottle of alcohol, I remember when I had gone in high school, I used to use alcohol to clear the oil yeah. off my face. It was 99 cents. I went to Walmart um, a, a month ago to buy um, alcohol so that I could uh, clean some copper, and it was 79 cents. Yep. Now, right. I'll tell you what, that 99 cents I spent in 1987 or whatever it was, was worth a heck of a lot more than that 79 cents that I dished out for the alcohol at Walmart. It's true. Um, cigarettes have gone down in price, and the only thing that has increased them in price currently is taxes. all the taxes that we've added on to them since the 80s. Now, Ryan, I mean, I, I presume since you're a smoker, you know other smokers. How are they responding oh, yes. to this? Well, I have a good friend who lives this household is three people. They all smoke. Imagine their budget. They're going to have to make room for $1,000 a year just in that increased tax. Wow. How many, how many packs pack do they eight, smoke a day? 
a pack a day smoker is gonna that's three hundred and sixty five dollars a year. They got three of them in the house. Oh, I Imagine see how that's going to impact them. A thousand dollars between the three. I got you. Now I right. can just hear the, uh, the 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 people out there that the, the the smoking Nazis. I can just hear them. Well, just quit then. Well, <laughs> what I would say to those people that said that is, who the hell are you to tell somebody else to quit? Now. I, as far as I'm concerned, you are the sovereign king in your domain, and if you're at your home, nobody should be able to um, smoke in your house. If you're at a, um, a restaurant that you own, you should be able to tell nobody um, that, that nobody's allowed to smoke in that restaurant. You can have a non-smoking restaurant That's as far as I'm concerned. That's the way it ought to be. You're right about that. But I'm supposed to be the sovereign king in my domain, and if I want to smoke in my house, who are you to tell me otherwise? Who are you to levy taxes against me so that I won't smoke for my own good? Are you my mom? I don't think you are. Now, Ryan, uh, when you're talking with your roommates about their budgets and everything, were they just kind of griping about the fact that they're going to have to find the extra cash, or were they sort of maybe leaning towards quitting? Do you think that the government that they might actually quit as a result of this, as the government believes some people will? How exactly are they handling it? No, I don't have any roommates. I live alone. It was uh, friends of mine that I was talking about. Oh, sorry about that. But what they're going to have to do, they're talking about... What, we're probably going to have to get the cable cut off if it gets too bad. <laughs> They're pretty serious oh about those cigarettes, aren't they? Yeah, it's an addiction, you know. It comes first for some people. You know, and the thing is, is you can't bring somebody else to a uh, point in their life where they're going to quit something. They, they have, have to be, be ready. They have to bring it on um, themselves. Yeah. And, you know, all this is going to do is bring hardship on um, it's going to make it's going to impoverish cigarette smokers even more so than they already are. What about the families of cigarette smokers? I mean, what what about kids that don't get to enjoy? I don't know. Let's say little league practice how because about, how about dad no has Christmas to smoke. Toys? How yeah. about no more Christmas uh, gifts. No because more birthday mo- gifts. Because mom has to have her smokies. Right. I'll tell you what. I mean, I've had um, renters and um, you know many of them smoked, and I've had experiences with those renters where they couldn't pay their rent. But they could sure buy cigarettes. cigarettes. Hey, Ryan, have you considered the online option? Have you uh, priced around on the Internet, maybe on cartons that way? That way you you can maybe perhaps avoid the Texas tax. Yeah, actually, I'm going to switch to American Spirits, not only because I can get them shipped in, but uh, they're one of the only major corporations that uh, contributes to libertarian causes. Wow, I didn't didn't know that. That's fantastic. So what do you you get a, a, a carton of those for in comparison to what you would pay locally? About twenty bucks with shipping. That's not too as shabby. Opposed, as opposed to in a store here uh, today, I saw them priced at almost thirty. So a carton will be forty dollars in two days. You know, I don't think Amazon sells uh, cigarettes, but it's definitely worth looking into. I don't know if they they should now. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ryan. Any other thoughts for us? Yeah, one other thought. I, Saddam Hussein was executed today. Mm-hmm. Same, a lot of his accomplices never came up on charges. You know, the people who gave him the weapons and, you know, gave him the blessing to gas curds. You mean the United you States? Know. Yeah, Donald government. Rumsfeld, George Bush, all, right. all, all his accomplices in that. That's yeah, my Saddam was the fall guy. You're right about that, Ryan. Thanks for the call, man, and good luck with the cigarettes in 2007. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. If you're somebody who supports increasing cigarette taxes because you believe it's going to help people quit... Call and tell us why. I would like for you to explain it at 800-259-9231. Now, I'm not a cigarette smoker. I've never uh, smoked a cigarette in my entire life, but I absolutely... Never? You've never smoked a cigarette? Never. Not once. Wow. Uh, I absolutely support the, the right of individuals to decide what they want to put into their bodies. And, of course, some of these cigarette banning types, these cigarette Nazis, 
out there would like to see them outlawed entirely. I don't remember if it was the California uh, Surgeon General or the na- the National Surgeon General. One of them came out and, is, and it basically said that eventually he'd like to see a law passed outlawing cigarettes. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Which, of course, is just absolutely insane. Well, you know, the, I, I was talking today with a friend of mine about um, the foie gras ban that's going on in Chicago. They've, mm-hmm. they've uh, banned uh, the, you know, stuffed... Uh, Goose livers. Um, Thankfully, it's being ignored by the business people. It is, but um, you know what? It just goes to prove is prohibition doesn't work, and I don't care if prohibition's alcohol, um, marijuana, or foie gras or cigarettes. I mean, the fact is, they started yeah cigarettes. Uh, they they started the war on drugs in the early '60s. Um, you know, they started um, outlawing, really going after the drugs mm-hmm. in the, the early '60s. And uh, since then, marijuana um, smoking is up by like seven thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, what kind of luck have they had with this crap? And the I mean, poor foie gras up. Um, what did you say? Ten times the cons- consumption of um, there foie are gras? more people ordering foie gras in Chicago than ever before. Than ever before. Why? Because they prohibited it, and they wonder. And and you and I speculated on the air. I, yeah, we what's should all have this about. We should have some foie gras, right. Simply and to find out what this crap is. You know who I really feel sorry for are in Texas at least with this new uh, cigarette tax increase is the business owners. I mean, the consumers are going to do what they got to do to get their hands on the cigarettes. And in Ryan's case, that means ordering from online. And that means that whoever his uh, friendly neighborhood convenience store operator is, is going to be losing those sales that he was getting before the cigarette increased, uh, the cigarette tax increase. And that's going to be a statewide. People are going to just start ordering from elsewhere, importing them from other states. 800-259-9231. Your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Looking for a goody two-shoes to call in tonight to tell us about why you think that cigarettes should be outlawed. Come on, I know somebody out there within the sound of my voice actually believes that, in their heart of hearts, believes that it'd be good for America if we'd just outlaw those pesky cigarettes, right? 800-259-9231. As always, I predict that you probably won't call in because you're, well... A little coward. Well, the reason defend yourself. The reason is, is because they have the uh, they intend to use the power of the law. They don't care what the reasons are that you think that cigarettes should be legal and that people should be free to smoke them if they feel like it. They just want them outlawed, and they will use guns and cops and whatever it takes. Because they know what's best in order to um, enforce this. this mar- and I, you know, I'm telling you, what's going to happen is. Then there's going to be a black market in cigarettes. Oh, you you're darn sure right. there is. And then there's going to be people gunned down in the streets. There's going to be pe- there's going to be children left, um, you know, fatherless or motherless because of these stinking laws. And, and then we don't have to go all the way to a, uh, a to a total ban, a total prohibition, in order for the black market to come about. All you have to do is just keep increasing the taxes. The more you increase the taxes. The higher prices uh, the cigarettes go, the more likely black marketeers are going to step into the game and undercut the legit market's prices. 800-259-9231 if you want to uh, advocate for a cigarette ban. I'd love to hear from you. By the way, this is Free Talk Live, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can uh, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the bulletin board system there with over 160,000 posts for you to surf around through. There's a lot to talk about on the Free Talk Live BBS. Like everything else on our website, it is totally free. So head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. Do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton 
teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. As we go to the phones, to the fun. Chris in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hello, Chris. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Uh, I just uh, stumbled on your station. This is the first time I've actually heard you guys. But uh, I actually caught the part where you said that, uh, and I'm not, I'm not against, uh, I'm not for banning cigarettes by any means, but it does affect, I don't smoke, and it affects my pocketbook because I'm self-employed and I pay a lot in insurance. And I can guarantee you if there weren't people smoking, my insurance would be a lot less. And what? He talks about how they, Do you... well, because the insurance premiums go up because people have lung cancer, uh, you know, everything that's caused by smoking, and then there's secondhand smoke. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not necessarily saying that they should outlaw it, but I'm telling you that it affects other people outside. You do it inside your home, and it still affects my pocketbook because I pay a lot in insurance premiums, and they've gone up considerably okay, more Chris, than the taxes on cigarettes do. You do have a um, you do have a point that you've made, and, and I'm, I can't entirely discount it, but I can mm-hmm. discount it greatly. Um, first off, the problem is um, regulation. It, like I want to, you want to let's say regulate cigarettes. Now you're not taking that firm stand, but let's say that you want to regulate cigarettes. Uh-huh. The reason for the problem with insurance is insurance regulation. Um, if insurance companies were allowed to do business however they wanted to in the state, you could have an insurance company that didn't um, accept smokers. So therefore, well, let, you would let me give you a real life example here from the driver's world, um, from driver's uh, insurance. There are companies like uh, Response and Progressive that either don't accept essentially irresponsible drivers, people with bad records, or really jack up the rates for those people in order to dissuade them away from their company. So that's already, that already exists in another uh, insurance industry. So um, you would have insurance companies that you would then not have to pay for these smokers. And secondly, smokers pay increased rates. I can tell you, I smoke cigars, and because of you know, the, the cigar that I enjoy um, you know, daily... I have to pay the smoker rate as opposed to the non-smoker rate. Because if I happen to get lung cancer, they're going to say, well, you're a smoker and you lied to us. So I have to pay that smoker rate. And my rate's significantly higher than yours. So I think I'm covering my lung cancer possibility. Yeah, but you're covering it. But still, I mean, insurance premiums still have, that's why they're so high. They have to cover other people's existing by law, you Conditions. mean. By law. Correct. Okay, that's Sorry, the problem. The, the problem is with the law, and uh, good luck with the kid. Thanks for the call. We <laughs> Sorry appreciate about it. that. No, no problem. problem, man. Thanks. 800-259-9231. So the, the problem isn't with insurance. The problem isn't with smokers. The problem is with mandates and regulations laws and regulations imposed you, by force on insurance companies. Once you impose one regulation, then another regulation has to go in play and in play and in play. And there's because a lot of them that if are you political. want to regulate cigarettes a little bit, then you might as well regulate them a lot. And he brought up secondhand smoke, right. and um, you know that's that's gonna at that point once you bring secondhand smoke into the. Uh, into the scenario, then you just got to you just got to regulate smoking out of existence. Nobody's allowed to smoke anymore because, well, somebody might breathe that stuff in and get lung cancer, which of course is insane. It's ludicrous. Uh, it's um, not going to go away. Just you know, you outlaw the it. EPA study on secondhand smoke has been disproven over and over again. But it it's a big to be lie accepted. because people want to accept it. Right. Non-smokers, which are in the majority, uh, want to accept that secondhand smoke is bad because cigarette smoke stinks. 
And it does. Sure. I don't like the smell. I'm no fan. I don't let people. My uh, my roommate smoke cigarettes, but he doesn't smoke them inside my house. No, and I, you know, when when if if I I don't go to a restaurant where I have to eat and there's a bunch of people smoking, I I don't I don't want that crap. If we just would allow the marketplace to handle it, I think everything would be just fine with the smoking mm-hmm. issue. If you don't want to go where there's smoke, don't go to the bars where there's smoke. If you don't want to go to an, and eat somewhere where there's smoke, don't go there. And better yet, not just don't go there, but pick up your phone or go in in person and talk to the manager. Probably go in and uh, pick up the phone. Probably be best if you're really sensitive to smoke. But pick up the phone, talk to the manager of the restaurant that you would en- normally enjoy eating at were it not for the cigarette smoke and say, hey, Mr. So-and-so manager, uh, you know, I really like your hamburgers, but I don't like the atmosphere and I'll be eating over at your competitor's place until you ban smoking from inside your restaurant. And if enough people do that sort of thing, then you're going to see a major change. In fact, you've already seen it happening. Restaurants in a lot of states that don't have the smoking bans have already shifted in that direction. They've already either completely minimized the smoking section or abolished it outright entirely, especially the family restaurants. Right. Here, here on Free Talk Live, we do not advocate smoking. We advocate personal responsibility. Property rights. Be responsible for yourself. If you don't like smoking, please don't go to restaurants, a restaurant that somebody else owns, and you know demand that everybody not be allowed to smoke in the streets and on the restaurants and everywhere simply because you don't like the smell of it. Let's talk to Eric in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hey, Eric, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. I do night. Hey, Great. What's on great. your mind? Well, I would have to partially agree with what you're saying. I mean... With the uh, cigarettes and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, you, yes, you can. It's it is everybody's right to put whatever they want into their body. Should but be. But then it's also my right not to have to pay for their medical expenses when they go and claim Medicare because they've gone flat broke. I totally agree. This is why we need to get the government the heck out of the healthcare business. It sounds to me like you disagree with Medicare, not smoking. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Right. I'm with you. I hate Medicare. Let's get rid of it. Unfortunately, Let's ban Medicare. Well, unfortunately, neither the Republicans or the Democrats are ever going to come to the table with a proposal to to, uh, to end Medicare. As much as uh, you and I might like that to happen, that's going to have to come from uh, from a third-party organization. I know we, uh, we're not going to cut you short. So hang on, Eric, if you got more for us. 800-259-9231. I wish that somebody would have the courage to stand up and say, hey, enough with this socialist redistribution of wealth. This isn't a communist country. Let's end Medicare and welfare and allow people who care to help others on a voluntary basis. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition in the studio. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female Listeners is there with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. And I did promise that I would get the uh, the new Shriners up by the end of this year. There's two of them waiting in the wings. And so if you want to know when the Shrine has been updated, you should get on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our website, it is totally free. Updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. 
Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. And if you go to freestateproject.org and take a look at the First 1000 Pledge, you'll find that we are within... I just what less than fifteen signers away from making this happen. We are striking distance um, with making it happen, and uh, you know that I I would encourage anybody who wants to uh, enjoy liberty in our lifetimes um, to go and and right now to uh, freestateproject.org/first1000. That's f i r s t one zero 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 and sign up for it because this th- this is what you can do to bring liberty back to America. If you don't like all the regulations the government puts on us. Mm-hmm. Well, here's something you can do. Right, because you can call your representative and complain right. about the regulations, but there's no way your reps are going to co- uh, go to Washington, D.C. and actually put in any sort of meaningful no. legislation that will reduce the size of the government. They don't care the Republicans about you. had a decade. They don't care about you. They care about the lobbyists. Right. Our politicians and their power. care about lobbyists and power and money. And rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies, and that's all that politics is about. It's not about your freedoms. And so that's why we're getting together with as many liberty-loving or um, people as possible here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You and I, Mark, we're um, some of the first, couple of the first signers of the First 1000 Pledge. We're also early movers. We went ahead and moved anyway, whether or not the First 1000 Pledge actually made it to 1,000 signatures. And we're here, and we're here with hundreds of other people that have taken the uh, that have uh, taken the pledge themselves and have already moved as part of the early moving process in, in the Free State Project, and we want you to be one of those people as well. By the way, the Free State Project's first 1,000 pledge ends as of less than 24 hours from now. We yeah. are at less than 24 hours time. It ends at 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. It is night. crunch time, baby. You can either you can either have freedom. Or not. You can be one of the last few signers of the first 1,000 pledge, but don't think that just because it reaches 1,000 that you should just not sign up. Keep going. I mean, if it's a, if it's at 1,000 signers when you go to sign up, sign up. Be 1,001. Be 1,020. Uh, because I'm a little concerned considering the uh, controversy that erupted a weekend uh, last weekend with the fake signers coming on board. Mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned that we're going to have a last-minute drop in the number of signers. So that's why I'm saying, let's just keep pushing. Let's I've make seen, sure that we can go above 1,000 yeah, signers. I've seen the number go up, I've seen the number go down, and I don't want to see it, um, you know, we us get to 1,000 and have made it and be like those miners in West Virginia. They're all safe, don't worry. And then... They're dead. Sorry. Yeah. It was. I mean, that's an awful, terrible letdown, and not to not to compare it to the minor situation. So, I mean, that we're had looking to be terrible to, for that. Family. We're looking to bring you some good news about the first 1,000 pledge coming on Monday night, but it's not going to happen without your participation. FreeStateProject.org. As we go to the Free State, talk to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. It's funny you'd mentioned the first 1,000. That's what I was calling about. But if if I could just before I just a, a brief thing on the. Uh, prior two callers that are concerned with health insurance costs, yeah. Medicare. Uh, if, if one takes, it's my understanding that if one takes in consideration of all these costs, that smokers actually end up costing less because of the simple fact that they die they early. They die early. They so don't collect on those things. add in Social things. Security and all this other stuff. Uh, these people aren't even around to be using the medical system. Nonetheless, though, John, I mean, it would certainly be a lot better if we could just get rid of government uh, health care in the first place, and then none of these would be objections anymore. Yeah, just, just shoot all the smokers. No, <laughs> come on now. I'm only kidding. The, right. the reason that I called yes. 
Uh, we're on the the last show of the year here, and and we're we're approaching uh, New Year's Eve, and you know it's a, it's occurring to me that some folks are considering this first 1,000 pledge. I'm an early mover. Uh, I've been here for almost three years. Best thing I've done in my life. There's people that are considering doing this for themselves, but my appeal here is, uh, folks. Think about your children and grandchildren. Now, mm. now, here's something that's interesting that's going to happen. As soon as you get to New Hampshire, you're going to immediately have friends that are almost as close as the family you have. As you've, as you've encountered people at these parties that you go to in the holiday season, think of how much reason there is within these groups and how realistic it is in your own state whether you're going to be able to make change. When you get here, the change is immediate. Now, the thing that's really fun is that you begin to have great stories to tell. Uh, whatever role you're playing, some of us smaller, some of us bigger, but they're fun stories to tell. Speaking of stories to tell, John, imagine, I mean, uh, imagine being able to tell your grandchildren whether or not you have them yet, but imagine well, is... being able to tell them in the future that you were one of the revolutionaries, one of the nonviolent revolution. Uh, you were one of the, the new, essentially, pilgrims, the new pioneers in America. Or ex- imagine exactly... telling your kids that you stayed home. This is exactly the point, and it's one of the reasons that I got involved with the Liberty Movement was when I began to have children. I said, you know, it's no longer just about me. It's about the future. And when you have children that are sitting on your knee, dude, i got to tell you, folks out there, I have to tell you, you'll be so proud and they'll be so glad that you're one of the ones you're going to have stories to share. Uh, I just have to say, you know, if you take this pledge, remember, you don't have to do this immediately. You don't even have to complete this in 2007. You have to start getting ready, and you have two long years to do it. And these children and grandchildren in the future will be so proud of you, and you'll be so glad. Please take the pledge. Yeah, I wish I could say, I wish I could look at my relatives and say that they did something uh, to fight for freedom, but they didn't. And I don't have any respect for them as a result of that. My friend Lauren sent me a, sent me a letter from the prison, and um, I didn't get it until after she was released. And mm-hmm. She made an appeal to me to call this radio show because she said, you know, John, she said, you're a sincere guy with a New England accent. Now, <laughs> I, don't know if that, you know, I don't know if that affects people much that I happen to have a New England accent, but I'm a native guy. You know, I didn't move far to come to New Hampshire. I can tell folks the culture here is exactly the live free or die. And you know what? I've written to my elected representatives and told them that there's a lot of people, you know, when whatever issues, real ID, uh, the smoking things, th- there's always something people can do. But when I talk to my state reps or my senators or the executive council, I tell them, please, remember, there's a lot of people writing to you, um, and they refer to General John Stark, who was the one that said, live free or die. Mm-hmm. I say, I don't, I, I tell you to please don't look to the past. Look to the future. We're talking about our children and grandchildren. There you go. We can restore and reclaim this liberty, and you know what? But we need to do it together. And it's not even restoring and reclaiming. Here, we're actually still defending it. We still have liberty in New Hampshire. Well, Africa. yeah, but there's a lot of big government here now. There sure to the, is. The, uh, we're Massachusetts still defending people some where in. other states don't even have it's that. It's true. So, We've so, been able so to... normally I say restore and reclaim... But here, we actually still have some to defend. That's true. And, and uh, that's one of the reasons. we need people here on the ground and, and push these numbers up. If we get to 1,000, keep on pushing. That's My intention is at the very last minute to sign this pledge. I want to leave plenty of room. You already signed others. it. We saw your name on there. Okay. 
Um, somebody else put it on. They asked me if I would, and I said, because my computer's crashed. I see. I said, my intention is to, the very last minute, put it on, whatever number it you, is. That... You were definitely within the last hundred. I can tell you that. And okay, John, well, thank you for the encouragement, as always, sir. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. He's right. I mean, New Hampshire has, it is the probably freest state in America right now as we speak. It certainly has a lot of, um, you know, it, it's certainly close to being able to lay that claim. Um, you know, if there's any kind of contention, it's an, it's right up there. Um, you know, it, and you, as you more, can drive around with no seatbelt. They think that adults in New Hampshire are big boys and girls and can decide whether or not decisions. they yes. can wear a seatbelt. You can walk around with a gun on your hip if you want. Nobody, Very few people do. But it's possible. But you can, and that just goes to show that they think that people are big boys and girls and they can make these decisions. And it, not only is it the most free state right now as we speak, but as more people continue to migrate here as part of the Free State Project, it will only get more free in the future. And that's why we want you to be a part of it. As always, you can bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Saddam's death coming up. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231, Saturday edition. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? You enjoy the fact that all the features are free on our website? Well, then we ask that you... Buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store, store store.freetalklive.com, the place to go. We've got hats, we've got t-shirts, we've got, and of course it's all Free Talk Live branded. Uh, There is one product that's not branded Free Talk Live, and that is our Free Marketeer flag, which a lot of people have, it's gotten some critical acclaim. Really? Uh, It's Yeah, a lot of people like these things, uh, and uh, people have been loving the quality of the products in general. It's not cheap crap at store.freetalklive.com, so uh, go and buy some stuff. As we go to the phones and to Kurt in Michigan on the amplifier line. Hello, Kurt. You're on Free Talk Live. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you today? Great, sir. What's on your mind? Well, actually, I'd like to do a couple of short comments before I get to the topic. first one is uh, my perpetual thank you to you guys for sticking your head up in this live-action whack-a-mole game. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you very much. You're talking about when you say sticking our head up, you just mean getting on the radio and talking about liberty? Talking about the, asking the questions that should be asked that nobody asks. Yeah, you're right about that. It, it draws attention to yourself, um, and thank you, thank you for you know for and it's also giving me something to listen to that 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 doesn't turn me into a ditto head. Well, you know somebody somebody had to do it, Kurt, and it, and it pleases me to be the first, but I hope to not be the last. And what I really would like to see is maybe down the line, as Free Talk Live becomes more successful. Maybe some other people um, taking our example and also creating their own pro-liberty-oriented television and radio uh, programs and doing their own outreach to other areas of the country that we might happen to, uh, might not happen to be in, or even worse, competing with Free Talk Live. Can you imagine that? Two pro-liberty well, shows competing? What I would, what I would well, like I... to see in that case is how they're going to handle the lawsuit I'm going to slap on them, because I don't want any competition. Cut it out. <laughs> I, I can only I can only imagine that the competition would make you stronger and better. Absolutely, that's what the that's what the free market's all about. Yep. So, what else did you have on your mind tonight, Kurt? The second, second little thing was uh, when John from New Hampshire said that smokers actually don't cost as much money. I think we should keep that one quiet, only because if the if well, for the lack of a more radio friendly term, if the people in Washington get a hold of that, instead of mandating non-smoking, they'll be mandating smoking. Mm. So. But, That's not well, bloody likely. 
Well, if they know they can make money on it, they don't care the consequences. I see what you mean. But um, I, I wanted to talk about kind of the stock market sure. and the influx of, of many, many more smaller investors. And I'm I'm wondering in my own mind, and I haven't heard anyone talk about it, if that is actually having a negative impact by making the the companies in whom you hold stock less accountable to you. Because if if you've got all 200 of your shareholders sitting in front of you, you know you're going to be a little more conscientious than if 40,000 of them have just perfunctorily mailed in their their proxies. Hmm. It would sound like that to me. Now, what um, uh, what would you? I mean. What do you suppose the answer to that uh, might be? I mean, I don't. Uh... Well, this is a this is a, a situation where I think the good far outweighs the bad because it allows the 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 small investor to actually invest, and and they are only limited by the amount of money they have to invest as the way it should be. But it just seems, like I said, that you know it's just like you know everybody owns the road, so nobody's accountable. Well, if yeah. you got sixty five thousand, if you got sixty five thousand stockholders instead of two hundred, it seems that you can be less uh, accommodating to them because, you know, I mean, let's face it, most of them just have them as part of their portfolio and right. they're buying and selling and, and not attending any shareholder meetings. And now, I'm just wondering they they if, could care less how the, the you know, they're, they're not paying att- attention to how the company operates or anything like that. It's just a commodity right. to them. And maybe that's, maybe that's how these, these CEO uh, pay structures got way out of kilter. Now, when a company uh, it goes public, they get to decide how many shares they have, right? Yeah, well, so, actually, I think it's decided by the they decide the value of their the number of shares based upon the value that they want each share to be based upon the value of the company and the percentage of that thereof that they want to sell. See, I don't know a lot about the stock market and all that, but it seems to me that if I was running a company, I don't or if I were running a company, I don't think I would want to go public. I think I I like the idea of being a private company. I mean, if you look at the uh, Coke Industries, for instance, it's one of the largest privately owned. Uh, groups of of companies here in the United States. Ed Koch, I believe his name is Ed. Um, Anyway, the guy in charge, Mr. Koch. I thought Koch had stock. No, no, um, we're not talking about Coca-Cola. No, no, no. Koch Industries, uh, K-O-C-H, Koch. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they they do a lot of industrial uh, products. Uh, They also do, like, paper products, like uh, Bounty and toilet paper and that sort of thing. And uh, they're just a tremendously large company that's run on a totally private basis, and they don't have to be beholden to their stockholders as far as quarterly reports and all that. They can do long-term investing, and if they keep losing money for a few quarters in a row, it's no big deal to them because they don't, you know, they don't owe, owe an explanation to anybody. I don't right. understand why people want to go public. But, but stock off, well, it, because it, it gives you the opportunity to get a large influx of cash immediately. For expansion, rather than I guess. taking it little by little as the, as the profits come in. Well, you know, I'm unfortunately there's there's an unfortunate to this. Um, the baby boomers uh, are you know preparing for retirement. A few you know they're they're just reaching retirement age at the very apex of the uh, baby boomer generation, and um, they have you know they they need to make as much money as possible before they get into retirement age, and they'll probably keep some money in stocks and mutual funds, which is stocks essentially, um, for some time after they retire too. So there's a lot of money that's sort of extra money there, and that's what uh, you know has been buoying the system. There's going to be a a correction at some point, and correction means that uh, you know the, these uh, CEO pay structures they're going to straighten out, and uh, companies are going to be more responsible. But um, you know, people are going to lose some money in the stock market here. That's inevitable. I mean, people are always going to lose money. Kurt, thank you for the call, man. We appreciate hearing thank from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one.
is the toll-free number. I don't understand. I mean, if you're that scraping for cash, why would you? I just don't, I'm, maybe I'm just not enough of a businessman, Mark. I don't understand why I would ever want to take would ever want to take Free Talk Live were it a corporation, and it's not. But were it a corporation, why I would ever want to uh, offer it up to the public? Well, the reason control here's the reason is um, suppose you don't love your job as much as you do love your job. Yeah. Um, and somebody essentially, um, you know, offers you the opportunity to take a hundred million dollars for Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. You could say to yourself, "Yeah, I could take that hundred million dollars." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so you you say, "Yeah, I'll stay on for a couple few years. I'll, I'll make sure I contract with you to stay on." And it looks good because the guy who made Free Talk Live what it is is staying on as as the the leader, and it's going right. public, and you're going to handle it. But it's not your company anymore, and you're not going to handle it like your company anymore. You're going to have made a bunch of money. You're going to have a lot of stock options, but you can cash out anytime you want. You can say. Hmm, looks like we're getting to the peak as far as I'm uh, as far as I can tell here. I've got a lot more information than those people out there have. Mm-hmm. I think I'll cash in now, get my 100 mil and take and and take a, you know, I see. A, so you know, take the next train to uh, wherever and you know, if I feel like it, if I feel like working again, I'll just start another company. Got it. So it's it's a way for people looking at their cash out. out. Understood. Well, hey, uh let's go into since we're talking about business, let's talk about the drug business. We discussed patents earlier this uh, earlier this week, and how I believe they're just a bad idea, and they do nothing but enrich lawyers who understand patent law and do nothing whatsoever to protect inventors. Though somebody could make the claim that, well, Ian, if we didn't have patents, then no one would ever do any research and development. And on its face, sounds like a legitimate claim. But now the General Accounting Office... In the government, uh, the American Constitution Society are reporting that a report by the GAO concludes that current patent law discourages drug companies from developing new drugs. How? Well, it allows them to make excessive profits through minor changes to existing pharmaceuticals. While pharmaceutical research and development expe- uh, expenses have increased by 147% since 1993, applications for approval of new molecular entity, or NME, drugs, that is, drugs which differ significantly from others that already exist on the market, have only risen 7%. So, <laughs> when you actually do a breakdown of the numbers, as it turns out, they're not really making new drugs very much. They're just modifying their existing uh, existing ones. According to the report, the majority of newly developed medicines are so-called Me Too drugs, which are substantially similar to existing drugs, therefore less risky than NME drugs to develop, and which offer, quote, little in the way of therapeutic breakthroughs, unquote. Under existing patent law, these Me Too drugs can receive new patents separate from the already existing drugs they are based on, allowing drug companies to make substantial profits without significantly enhancing the quality of drugs available on the market. According to the report, the ability of drug manufacturers to easily obtain patents for minor changes to products or to receive patents exclusively for new uses of existing products have reduced incentives to develop new drugs. So the old idea with patents is you get the patent, it runs out in 10 years, it goes into public domain, other people can compete with you on it. Right. Well, now it sounds like what they're doing is they're getting towards the end of their 10 years. They've been sitting back, resting on their laurels, and then they, okay, we'll tinker with the uh, formula a little bit, and they get another patent for virtually the same thing. Right. Great. They're really uh, helping people do more research and development, huh, these patents. Hour number two's on the way. Saddam is dead. How do you feel about it? It's Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. As we launch into hour number two, you can take control of the airwaves, as always, at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free, the packet 8 toll-free line is 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all the features there because they are totally free. That is freetalklive.com as we go to the phones to start things out here this hour. Uh, got Saddam Hussein to talk about coming up, and I want to ask you how you feel about the whole Saddam episode. Do you think his death was worth all of the American deaths that came before it? Let's go first to the phones, though. Brian in Colorado on the amplifier line. Hello, Brian. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, guys. Hey, what's on your I, mind? I'd like like to be the first to congratulate you on your uh, first 1,000 pledge. Thank well, you very much. Thank we you very much. That. It, it does appear to have uh, crossed the threshold. But as I uh, as I had uh, urged last hour, if you're still if you were thinking of signing, please. Go ahead and sign. There's still less than 24 hours remaining. I'd like to see it get to uh, 1,100 signatures. You know, and there's no... 2,000. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would, would totally agree crazy, with you. But, you know, there's there's no um, 1,000 number on there. Um, so if you sign up below the person who came in 1,000, they don't know if you're 1,001 or the last signer. I mean, so there's, there's always the last signer who still gets to sign up until 7 p.m. on December the 31st. Sure, you could be the last signer. That's that's a possibility. Right. Anyway, with that in mind, what's on your mind, Brian? Well, uh, I called in uh, a couple nights ago, uh, giving you a snow update, and 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 you kind of caught me off guard on the uh, private police uh, protection uh, thing. Uh, and and uh, uh, I, I talked, I asked about what about bad cops, and and you said, of course, you know, the the marketplace will will deal with that, and and I agree with that, uh, you know, much better than we have now. But what about psychopaths? You know, what about people who don't care about reputation ratings? Or, you know, people who just, they, they go out and kill and kill and kill and kill. It's, it's an excellent who's, question. And what who, it's gonna... Who's, who's going to pay to catch those people? Is it, the, is it the person he raped yesterday or the person he's going to rape tomorrow? You know, where, where does the private protection... I, I can't get my arms around that. I think you've, you've brought up an excellent question, and I think that all you really need to do to answer it is look at what people normally do when a psychopath is on the loose. Uh, for instance, uh, there was a story in 2006 uh, out of Arizona where there were two unnamed, unknown murderers, and I believe it was Arizona, going around, I think it was the Phoenix area or Tucson, one or the other, they were going around just bumping people off, just shooting people, and the cops had no idea who it was. The cops just lay, they just, you know, they had their press conferences every day tell, re- reminding the press that they were working on the case, uh, but they didn't have any leads, they didn't have much more than a, a vague description. And so what do people do in those situations, Brian? Get out the pitchforks. Well, I, I mean, the pitchfork isn't going to do you much good when somebody's shooting you from, uh, you know, from a, a hundred feet away. Uh, but right, but you, you band together as a community. You band together as a community. There were community watch groups that that started up that hadn't existed before. As you might imagine, a number of people went out and bought themselves firearms. Uh, they went out, and some people got training in firearms who maybe already had a gun but hadn't practiced with it. It encouraged people to go out and learn how to defend themselves. Same thing when a rapist is on the loose. When there's a, a case of, I think it was in Orlando, Florida, a few years back, there was a, a rapist on the loose. The police started offering uh, firearms training courses, and as you might imagine, 
occasion, a number of women came in there to learn about how to defend themselves with firearms. And before the rapist was on the loose, no, uh, not many people had an interest in this sort of thing. And so essentially what would happen is if uh, for some reason the private investigative services, whose job it was to protect people who were being paid to protect people, unlike the police, they're not actually paid to protect anybody. Um, so the in, in, the insurance agencies and these private protection agencies would actually have an incentive to go out there and bring this individual to justice. But even if they couldn't find them, they could do these alternate things of of helping people arm themselves, helping train people, and of course, if there is a psychopath uh, psychopath out there bumping people off, then eventually he's going to come across somebody who's got a little bit of training. Eventually he's going to come across somebody who does have a gun, and you're going to catch your psychopath, and there's not going to need uh, be a need for a trial. Excellent. There you go, Brian. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Yes, the free marketplace really can handle crime and justice uh, much better, in my opinion, than any government monopoly ever could you know i have a difficult time um imagining the world without uh p- police officers that are employed by a city government um or municipal government or something like that it's hard to do because we were born and raised with the uh the idea that this is the way it has to be and it doesn't and well i'll tell you for one thing police are a relatively uh a new organization um in american history and world history um you know somehow we managed to make it with uh you know uh, without, uh, you know, a paid police force, there was volunteer, volunteer police posses that uh, were in communities, and and which is essentially a neighborhood watch. Um, I, I can't see that it's much different. Um, and you know, before that, there were, you know, rich people had guards and poor people had weapons. Right. Well, even in the uh, even in the realm of government police, there are still some changes that can be made. Even if you just wanted to keep those guys around, there was a movie that my girlfriend asked you to watch a few nights ago, Mark. Mm-hmm. It was called Sudden Birth, and it's really just a cheesy. If you go out and Google it, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It's this cheesy uh, 1960s era movie that was made by bureaucrats out in California about it was essentially for patrolmen, right, as to how to give birth in the back of a police car or in the back of somebody's car or whatever if you happen to pull somebody over who's pregnant and giving birth. And it was just a, just a really cheeso video, it, but it was cheesy. And and the thing that I couldn't imagine about um, that I couldn't really get my hands around is this: this had to have been 1963 that this uh, this movie was produced. And I guess they must have paid this woman to give birth on a set that looked like a you know the back of a car. Yeah, because um, there was no really, effect shots in this really, movie. Really, really did give birth and on this, camera. And this cop, graphically, this terrible acting cop. Um, you know, real bureaucrat. He, he, right. Yeah, he was a real cop and really couldn't act. Um, he actually did assist in this birth. Now, I'm sure that there was some off-camera doctors um, somewhere in the uh, vicinity, but, man, you could see everything. everything. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it starts out, and it, it, again, it's called Sudden Birth if you want to go look for it. But it starts out, and it's just you just think it's just going to be some cheesy instructional video. And then you get to the part... Where the actual birth takes place, oh, and you I, don't expect. I think when the, uh, the the water broke was probably the point where I could have just stopped. Thanks. Yeah. Well, that's that. That was actually the point where I couldn't turn away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I, I are. Thought, oh my gosh, what am I watching? <laughs> you and I are completely different. Because my when I when I was watching in the beginning, I just thought it was just going to be a cheesy instructional video, and I thought, oh, they're going to be, they're not going to show anything of anything impo- anything of any of relative import. But then you see absolutely everything in more graphic detail than anything probably produced here in the 1990s in the aughts. 
I mean, it was very graphic. It for, was especially very for the 1960s. Yeah. Um, but my point of bringing that up in the first place was that if you watch the titles to the movie, again produced back in the 60s, I believe, it was produced by the California uh, Peace Officers Association. How many organization of law enforcement officers call themselves peace officers these days? Not so many. Mm, no, no, they I mean, don't for the most part. No, it's it's the peace. The, the whole concept of a peace officer really seems to have gone away. Right. So government police have even changed their roles. You know, they used to be peace officers. Their job was to keep the peace. If someone was disrupting the peace, their primary purpose was to remove that individual from the situation. Not to necessarily ruin his life with a bunch of charges unless he's actually hurting somebody. If you've got somebody who's on your uh, your property and they're being disruptive and you don't want them there, the peace officer would come and remove that person. Take them away, perhaps put them in jail for a couple few hours until they cooled down, Let them out. sobered up or whatever it was right. that they needed to do. And then they call their uh, their dad or their uh, um, wife and, you know, come get them. But now they're law enforcement officers and they're not there to keep the peace. They're not there to, to help you. They're there to help you into a jail cell. No, it seems and to they're me... there to find charges to bring you up on. You know, I mean, we are we um, you know, we have this industry behind um, the, the, the uh, this justice system that. Well, we incarcerate more people than any other nation on earth um, per it's capita. Tr- uh, I guess developed nations. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's um, what I believe the caveat is there. So, you know, Nambia might have more incarcerations per population, but how could they afford to do it though? I don't know. How don't can they tax they their people heavily enough in order to incarcerate these people? Speaking of people who've been recently incarcerated, apparently Chicago nose tackle Tank Johnson needs court permission now to travel outside of Illinois, a decision that would become a factor this season only if the Bears make the Super Bowl. We don't talk sports too often here on Free Talk Live unless there's actually an issue, you know, like steroids and that sort of thing, uh, that makes it interesting for me. In this case, this is a pretty interesting case. He's got a gun violation, of course, in the state of Illinois, which is one of the most draconian of all of the states in the United States in regards to their gun laws. 800-259-9231 will tell you what sort of uh, punishment Mr. Johnson is facing and your calls as well. Plus, got to talk to Dom coming up. This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition, and we're in the studio. It is the New Year's weekend edition of the show. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. That's 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll free line for you as we go to the phones, to the fun. Uh, Let's talk to Michael in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Michael on the Amplifier line. Hey, good evening to you. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I just got an email that said the first 1,000 pledge is successful. Yes, we've already had a, a congratulatory call on that one, Michael. Did you have anything else on the, on your mind? I just wanted to encourage people to uh, continue signing up if you haven't already. That's what we're trying to do, um, because I'm, first of all, concerned that there are going to be some, perhaps fake signups that may be removed at the last moment. I think it's important mm-hmm. to continue pushing for signups. Let's get to 1,100 signers. You know, and I'd like to uh, oh, yeah. warn, warn people that um, on the freestateproject.org um, websta- website, it says that it's closed. Um, the sign-up isn't closed. You can go to pledgebank.com slash first1000. That's F-I-R-S-T so much one them zero zero zero. And let them know they're wrong about that. It's not closed. Do you think that it's going to make... Um, do you think that somebody's going to be able to act on that that quickly? They've obviously acted and written that it's closed. 
Okay. So they could uh, they could change that. Now, Michael, you are actually uh, the you're actually the man behind HomelandStupidity.us, which is a fantastic blog on the internet, and uh, we get a lot That's of right. our our show prep from there. And you uh, are a first one thousand signer. I believe you're going to be moving sooner rather than later, right? Oh yeah, I'm moving in April. That's fantastic. So as things maybe begin to thaw out from the winter, and we finally got our first real snow today. Uh, up here in New Hampshire, here in Keene, and I, I've heard rumors that you might be coming up to the Keene area. Is that true? Yeah, Keene is my number one choice right now. Fantastic. Well, I know we're looking forward to having you here. There's a burgeoning movement of uh, of people up here, lib- liberty-minded individuals moving in, both uh, both apolitical, as in civil disobedience-minded, and political as well. In fact, we've, uh, we're have we gathering candidates, as you know, uh, for an upcoming municipal election where we're going to run as many pro-liberty candidates as we possibly can. So once you get here and get settled in, uh, definitely I hope you'll consider doing that as well. well I will consider that. It's, it's important. I want to say this to everybody. It's important to... To hit it on both fronts, the, the apolitical and the political. I agree. I think that what you're I think that what you're going to see happen is basically the the apolitical people, the civil disobedience types, are going to go out and they're going to do their civil disobedience and bring attention, political attention, to certain issues wherein the pol, uh, political types can take action and get the government out of those particular areas. I think that uh, I think they're going to work together um, better than some people think that they uh, that they are. Oh, yeah, I can see it already. And definitely, if you signed up, make plans to move. Don't wait till 2008. Move as soon as you can. Absolutely. And uh, and get here sooner rather than later. Michael, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. By the way, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the First 1000 Pledge and the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th of 2007. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. All right. So we were talking about Tank Johnson from ESPN.com. He's the nose tackle for the Chicago Bears, and he now needs court permission to travel outside of the state. A judge ruled recently that he must stay home except to work or travel to work until it is determined whether his December 14th arrest for having firearms without a gun owner identification card violated his probation on a 2005 gun charge. He's already suspended for, uh, I guess, some of the uh, upcoming Super Bowl or, uh, playoff games. The judge also said the 25-year-old Johnson cannot drive himself and, in, and denied a request to let him travel to Tempe, Arizona for a holiday trip. Instead, his family will come to Illinois to see him, defense attorney Lorna Probst said. Cook County Judge John Moran set a bond at $100,000 for Johnson, who was briefly taken into custody during his court appearance. He later posted bond and left the courthouse in north suburban Chicago. Probst said Johnson is committed to making positive changes. Quote, he wants now more than any other thing to be the best possible representative of the Chicago Bears and the city of Chicago that he can be, and that's his goal going forward, said Probst. Bears officials did not immediately comment on the judge's decision. During the hearing, Johnson, dressed in a brown striped suit, was not handcuffed and said nothing, frequently staring at the floor. Defense attorney Frank Himmel really standing up for his right to bear arms, huh? Defense attorney Frank Himmel told the judge he thought a reasonable bond would be $10,000, arguing that he was not a flight risk and promised that he would show up for future court dates. It's a, but, you know, they knew he was a NFL star, so why not get the 100000 out of him, right? 
It's a misdemeanor violation on top of a misdemeanor violation, said uh, the defense attorney, referring to the charges stemming from $100,000 for, for a misdemeanor. Yep. I mean, I think that we've... I think we've screwed up the definition of a misdemeanor when you're charging a $100,000 bond for it. Well, he was sentenced to 18 months probation in November of 2005 after he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge stemming from an arrest after a nightclub valet reported seeing Johnson with a handgun in his sport utility vehicle. A petition filed Monday by the Cook County Adult Probation Department alleged that his earlier arrest this month in Lake County on misdemeanor weapons charges, violated his earlier probation's terms. He was charged with six counts of possession of a firearm without a gun owner identification card after police found six guns in a raid on his gurney home. God. I mean, a guy can't have guns in his home. Not in Illinois. You know, I, I, apparently the people in Illinois haven't read the uh, United States Constitution's Bill of Rights where it says the Second Amendment, um, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I think they're taking the Washington, D.C. interpretation of that to mean that uh, people can't keep and bear arms, only militias can. But, uh, I mean, what is a militia? A state-run organization by nope. the definition of Washington, D.C. But a militia has never been a state-run organization by anyone's definition well, up until... They would um, like to define decide, it that way. Yeah, they would like to define it that way, but that would be misdefining it. Cook County, that would be calling a cat a dog. state's attorney so-and-so said Friday that authorities found semi-automatic rifle with 19 live rounds in the master bedroom. Four unloaded weapons, two rifles, two handguns. And you know, a, I could, I'd like to tell them they can come to my house and they can find a uh, fully loaded Mossberg shotgun with six live rounds in it yeah. <laughs> waiting right by the front door for anybody who decides to break in. Oh, Why are you telling everyone where you keep your gun? Actually, I don't keep it there. 300 to 350 rounds of ammunition were also there with those live two in a basement utility closet and loaded 45 caliber handgun under a leather chair in the basement. Less than 48 hours after he was arrested, he was at a bar with his friend Willie B. Posey, and Posey was apparently shot and killed. Posey also had been arrested on drug possession charges when police raided Johnson's home. Johnson's not a suspect in Posey's death, but the Bears suspended him for a recent game for simply being at the club. You you wonder, I mean, what is this guy shot and what was he shot and killed over? Something's, something's going on behind the scenes here with this guy. Sure, sure it is, but um, I don't know why the gun is the issue. I mean, if you can't charge him with something, then don't charge him with something. But a gun? I mean, six guns apparently. Well, so what? So what if you have six guns? Prove that you've d committed a murder with them. Prove that you've committed a crime with those guns. Right. Well, apparently the crime that's what, is possession. That's what police are supposed to do. Police work. But in this new day and age, Mark, in the uh, the new America, the crime is the possession. It's a contraband. It's a product that the government has deemed you as an individual cannot make the own, your own decisions in regards to them. Of course, here in uh, in New Hampshire, pretty much anybody can have guns. You can walk around with one on your hip if yeah, you want exactly. to. Exactly. And the world's not crumbling. 800-259-9231. Do you think that uh, people should be brought up on charges for just having weapons? This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Tis the Saturday night edition on the New Year's weekend. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Maybe you've missed a moment of the show. Maybe you're listening on a radio station and you only get the Saturday show on your local station. Well, in that case, you missed out on an entire week's worth. We've got six shows a week that we do, and all the entire last year of the program is archived for your listening convenience right there on the front page of our website. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee like those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you. You just go and get them from free, uh, for free right there. Front page at freetalklive.com. That is freetalklive.com. And does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Well, try SACL CAI. They do collection in a whole new way. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction, so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI ha- uh, handle any or all of your accounts' receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. As we go to the phones to the fun, let's talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist, calling from Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hi, guys. I just came back from Colorado. Ah, uh, yes. I'm so surprised you were able to get out of there with all the snow they've been having. Oh, yeah, the propaganda of the horrible weather they're having there. I can't believe uh, the way they're blowing this out of proportion. What do you mean? I mean, it's not that bad. I, would, I just flew out of there today. Our, our flight had uh, was like 15% full. Most of it was empty. It left on time. Um, well, wait, were, there. You, were you there for, um, during the big one? I mean, where they really they had to shut down the airport and all that? Uh, I came in just two days after the airport reopened. Okay. And things were pretty much back to normal, but there was a lot of backlog as far as people getting their baggage and things. Okay. But in reality, I mean, Denver is a snow city. And what they're doing is they're taking a normal heavy snowfall, and they're trying to elevate it into some kind of a state of emergency. Why? Now, well, I don't know why they're doing this. I think it's li- either liability issues or the governors just like to get on the air and uh, you know sound important because they're declaring state of emergencies for something that's not a state of emergency. Now, I mean, you're, you're not a Colorado native, are you? I am a Minnesota native and an Alaskan resident in the past. I know what snow is like. I've lived in snow. Um, the, the snowfall that was in Colorado was no more unusual than any other winter, really. I okay. mean, there were, there were two good, heavy snowfalls within a week apart. Well, I mean, it, maybe they really did have to shut down the airport. I can't see why they would have uh, wanted to shut down the airport and inconvenience all those people if all they had to do was just push some snow out of the way to launch a plane. I mean, it sounded to me, especially from Brian, who called in from Colorado during the whole event, it sounded to me like it was pretty uh, pretty unusual, at least as far as their normal snowfall is concerned. And uh, I, it was I believe heavier it. Than, it was heavier than a regular normal snowfall, but it's a city that has lots of ability to shovel snow, and yeah. they've got the snow plows, they've got everything they need. So for 12 hours, things slow down or stop. And then, you know, maybe 12 to 18 hours later, the streets are cleared off and things start to move. People should, if they live there, know how to drive in snow, which most of them do. Do you think the, um, uh, the media blew it more out of proportion than the government did? I think the media blew it out of proportion and the government jumped on the bandwagon because they want to sound like they're important. They want to, they want to regulate and officiate mm. and sound like they're helping all the poor little peons out. Jumping out in front of the, the parade as they we typically saw, do. We saw no place where there was no gasoline. We saw no place where there were people that were just, you know, totally helpless. 
it was just ridiculous. There was a nice, good snow. Everything got white and pretty, and, uh, you know, people slowed down and drove a little slower. There it was go. not a big, hairy emergency. The other thing I want yeah. to talk to you about was we went to this national park, the Estes Park, National Park Service. Okay. And I'm going to tell people never go to a national park. Talk uh, about government regulation gone crazy. What did you see? Well, we went up there to go sledding. And we had to go, well, first we had to pay 20 bucks to get in the national park. Yuck. Because they regulate everything to death. So they let us go up uh, about 10 miles into the park where there was a place where we could go sledding. It was a lame, stupid little hill that you couldn't even hardly get to the bottom of, much less go very fast on. They have all these signs up that says you can't sled over here, you can't sled over there. So <laughs> after yesterday's, or the day before yesterday's snowfall, we went up there again yesterday to sled down in the nice fresh stuff. But we didn't want to go to that same hill because we knew it was a lame hill to begin with. Okay. So we went to the park, ranger's, uh, the park ranger entrance and went through the booth. Of course, we'd already paid our 20 bucks, which is good for seven days. So we went to that booth and we said, hey, you know, there's a hill just right back where we just passed. We would like to go sledding down it. We just want to park it right here and walk back there. She says, oh, no, you can't do that because this is the park. You know, this is the uh, this is the park property, and we can't let you sled down that hill because you might endanger the underlying vegetation. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going back to national parks. Don't I don't blame national you. Parks. I'll no. go to a national forest where there's a little bit more freedom, but not much. Do they have uh, any private parks there in uh, in Denver? Do you know of um, the part of Denver, the, 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 this Estes Park, which is north and west of Denver? It's it doesn't normally get this much snowfall, so they don't really have a lot of winter sports there. They I don't see. have skiing, and they don't have snowmobiling, which really made me angry because I wanted to go snowmobiling. That's unfortunate. You're going to uh, still have to move up to New Hampshire, uh, Gene, and then all your problems well, will be solved. We're, we're on the list, and uh, it'll be a few years before we can make the move, but we certainly intend to awesome. go. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you out. up here, and uh, there'll be plenty of snow activities for you here, unless uh, global warming continues, in which case... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it just snowed for like the first time in the entire season today. Here you didn't even get a white Christmas. Yeah, well, no, nope, didn't. Uh, you know, we went to Denver just for that purpose that we could have a white Christmas because here in Tennessee go. we don't get it very often. Well, you are the Christian anarchist, so that does make sense. Thanks for the call, Gene. We appreciate it. I wouldn't blame all this on on global warming. Um, I my wife was at the uh, gym today. Probably just wanted to get the hell away from me. Um, and uh, she was in the, the steam room, relaxing in the women's steam room. Just imagine what goes on in there, fellas. Um, a bunch of sitting around. Yeah, probably a bunch of awful stuff. Yeah. I mean, just old women sitting in the steam <laughs> yeah. room, I'm sure. But uh, besides my wife, that is. And uh, she was talking to a native uh, of New Hampshire, and she said, well, the last time it took this long to snow, um, we got uh, five feet in March. So, Holy crap. Yeah, I don't think that we really have global warming to worry about. Yeah, that's kind of what we're thinking. We're thinking it might go a little bit long this year because it started late. It could. I mean, we'll see. you just never know. All right, 800-259-9231. Well, as you probably know, unless you've been living under a rock, Saddam Hussein is dead. Uh, he was hung this morning, 6 a.m., uh, Iraqi time. It was uh, about, I think, 10.30 or so last night. Eastern time was when it finally uh, took place, somewhere around there. According to Newsweek, Ali al-Masidi was three feet away from Saddam Hussein when he died. 
The 38-year-old, normally Iraqi Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki's official videographer, was the man responsible for filming the late dictator's execution at dawn on Saturday. He says, I saw fear. He was afraid, Ali told Newsweek. Sure, Saddam Hussein's human. Of course he was afraid when he was going to be executed. Everybody would be. He told Newsweek minutes after returning from the execution, wearing a rumpled green suit and holding a Sony HDTV video camera in his right hand, Ali recalled the dictator's last moments, saying, quote, He was saying things about injustice, about resistance, about how these guys are terrorists. On the way to the gallows, according to Ali, Saddam said, Iraq without me is nothing. Ali says he followed Saddam up the gallows steps, escorted by two guards. He stood over the hole and filmed from close quarters as Saddam dropped through. From me to you, he said, crouching down to show how he shot shot the scene. The distance, he said, was about one meter. He died absolutely. He died instantly, Ali said. Saddam's body twitched, shaking, very shaking, but no blood, he said, and no spit. Ali said he was not authorized to disclose the location and did not give other details of the room. He said the videotape lasts about 15 minutes. When Newsweek asked to see the copy, Ali said he'd already handed the tape over to Maliki's chief of staff. It is top secret, said he. He would not give names of officials in attendance, though estimates there were about 20 observers. Now that Saddam Hussein is dead, the question, I think, is begged at this point, And I hope that you'll answer it at 800-259-9231. Was it worth it? Was the thousands of deaths of the United States boys and girls worth this one moment? I want to hear from you. 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they're totally free. So if you like the fact that we give away the website features, then maybe you want to voluntarily support us by shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Anything you purchase in their 35 categories of products, everything from groceries to office products, electronics, books, you name it, accessories, it's all there, amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your sale. So head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done. We're talking about Iraq and Saddam Hussein, now a dead, uh, you know, rotting corpse, essentially, at this point. We're working on it. Uh, And my question for you is, was it worth it? Do you think that the thousands of U.S. troops who have perished as a result of the conflict in Iraq were worth this one particular death because i mean the original one of the original excuses for invading was that saddam was a bad man well, and peep was a bad man but does that make it okay to invade another sovereign nation and overthrow a bad man because if that's what we're doing then we've got a number of sovereign nations that are just awaiting an invasion there's plenty of bad men running all kinds of countries around of, the world lots of bad men lots of oppression um lots of stuff going on i mean there were there were some more reasons out there, but you know they named this. Uh, maybe it was for the press purposes, but they named this Operation Iraqi Freedom. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that uh, freeing Iraqis, if you're going to name it, name the uh, name it Operation Iraqi Freedom, freeing Iraqis must be the primary goal. If um, the primary goal is to free Iraqis, there must be someone enslaving them. Who's enslaving them? Saddam Hussein. Now we've ca- you know captured. We've convicted and we've hung Saddam Hussein and I, you know you can say that the Iraqis have done all this I'm sorry 
I don't believe that. They would. I mean, they wouldn't have done it without the United States being there, hand-holding the entire thing, because they could have done it. As we pointed out, I think it was last night, the Iraqis were are, are one of the most well-armed populations in the world. They could have easily uh, taken out Saddam and his uh, and his people had they wanted to, but they didn't. Nonetheless, do you feel like uh, that these lives, these thousands of American lives, haven't been wasted? How about the hundreds of thousands of Iraqi lives? Do you think they have uh, have not been in vain? If so, 800-259-9231, or whatever's on your mind goes, because the Iraqis don't think it was worth it. According to UPI, about 90% of Iraqis feel the situation in the country was better before the U.S.-led invasion <laughs> than it is today. I'll repeat that, because it's a pretty significant percentage. This isn't a little bit of a majority. This isn't 51%. This is 90%, according to an ICRSS poll. Can you imagine? Poll. I mean... Just that's an incredible number. Yeah, we haven't gotten Americans to vote ninety percent on anything ever. The, the findings emerged after house-to-house interviews conducted by the IRCSS or ICRSS rather during the third week of November. About two thousand people from Baghdad, apparently eighty-two percent in Baghdad and Bar and Najif, nine percent each, were randomly asked to express their opinion. Twenty-four percent of the respondents were women. Only 5% of those questions said Iraq is better today than in 2003, while 89% of the people said the political situation had deteriorated, 79% saw a decline in the economic situation, 12% felt things had improved, and 9% said no change. Predictably, 95%, 95% felt the security situation was worse than before. So a significant supermajority of Iraqis saying in this scientific study with an error margin of only 3%, plus or minus, saying unequivocally, unequivocally, without a doubt, they're worse off today than they were before the invasion. Right. They would have rather had the haunting fear that they might be snatched up in the night for you know, some kind of uh, speaking out against uh, this dictator mm-hmm. than the possibility of being killed by a death squad that's uh, roaming the streets. Or and snatched up in the middle of the night by the American military. Yeah, yeah it's it's certainly possible. It's much no, more likely. No, that's what's happening. They yeah, kick in I, people's doors and take them to the camps. Yes, but... We read a story this past week I'm about saying, an American that happened to. I'm not saying it's not happening, Ian. Okay. I'm just saying that statistically your likelihood of, of dying in a hail of bullets from one of these um, death squads is much higher. 600,000 people... More than a half of a million people have died in Iraq since we invaded. Well, that, and I think, includes not, deaths from our, our soldiers as yes, well. But that is, yes, but our soldiers aren't even 10% of that number. Okay. 90% of that number is Iraqi-on-Iraqi violence that's ensued in this civil war because we can't control what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's With all a, our guns and tanks. You know, we can't control it. We put this government in place, which a government governs, so whatever that thing is... It's not one. Um, we put this government in place, and you know, there's a, there's a civil war going on. And you know, before long, as soon as when, whenever we leave, that place is going to break up like it should have been um, from the get go, broken into three places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Shiites, the Kurds, and the Sunnis are all going to break up into three countries, and it's going to be a bloodbath when they do. I just wonder how long we're going to stay. How much longer is the United States going to be involved over there? We should have never gone in in the first no, place. No, we definitely should never have gone in. But we did, and now Saddam Hussein is dead, and I want to know how you feel about it. You feel like it was worthwhile? Surely some of you must. Surely that Americans looking at the situation, you're going to say, I'm sure there's some Americans out there who say, well, that's a slanted poll. That's just the <laughs> liberal media. Blah, how blah, slanted blah. can you get with 90%? 
Well, it wasn't scientific. They're covering it up. It was, they made those statistics up. We've seen stories about these Iraqis. They're happy that we're there. Look, they're, they're cheering us on. What e- are you talking about? Even the Bushies don't believe in this war anymore. I'm sorry. You mean the Republicans' Even, uh, supporters? No, 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 no. Look, wait a second. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a registered Republican, or have been, um, and, I I don't support this thing, but um, what I'm talking about is the Bushies. There's um, there's a difference between um, Republicans and people that support Bush. Okay, I am a you know Republican, but by no means do I support Bush. What percentage Bush. of Bushies have now turned against the war? I don't know the percentage of Bushies, but a many many of them. They, they just everybody realizes this is a terrible idea and we need to be out. And only hard headed George Bush wants to stay in there. Now yeah. even he's looking at well you know figuring out a new plan, but. Uh, you know, we just need to get the heck out of there. Well, here's the plan. Out, Say, know. I'm sorry, and get out. That that sounds like a good plan to me. That's as good as it's going to get. There's and, no better plan out there. You know, the only other plan that uh, people ever seem to come up with is nuke them till it's glass everywhere. That's unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. And why disgusting. do we want to kill... I get sick just thinking of that. Why do we want to kill all these people when we shouldn't have been over there in the first place? Yeah. We made a mistake, so let's kill everybody? That's really going to help the statistics, too. I mean... I guess then they wouldn't be able to interview anybody about how they feel. Yeah, and and the uh, what's the world's population going to think about uh, the United States nuking them till they glow? Mm, indeed. Ugh. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. So we've got thousands dead on the American side. Uh, I believe more Americans have died now in Iraq than died in the 9-11 attacks, if you believe that Iraq had anything to do with the 9-11 attacks, which, of course, it's been proven that they didn't. It was just an allegation by George Bush that Iraq had anything whatsoever to do with 9-11. But nonetheless, uh, we've now had more American soldiers die than people died in 9-11. We've got hundreds of thousands of Iraqis, innocent Iraqis, people who never harmed another person in their life, have perished as a result of this war. But now you've got the, the head of Saddam Hussein on a proverbial pike, and you can trot around with it and talk about how great you are. Well, and I want you to talk about how great you are, those of you who support this war, at 800-259-9231. Because now you're finally in the minority. In the beginning, Mark, you supported the war. In the beginning, in the when this beginning, all started, yeah. you were on the side, as many Americans were, of rattling the saber. And now the, the tide has changed. Now Americans are getting tired of this war. Mm-hmm. And I wish they would get tired of initiate, initiated wars in general right. and learn their lesson. I think I've is, learned my lesson. That this is not what America is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about freedom and liberty and uh, being setting the example for the rest of the world about freedom and liberty, not setting the example of uh, we're the world's police. That's not what America was originally intended to be. So Americans have figured out that this Iraq war thing's a bad idea. I think, what is it, like 70% of Americans think the whole thing is being handled poorly at this mm-hmm. point? So if you're in that 30%, that remaining 30% that still go Bush, yeah, you do it. Go, go kill some more Iraqis if you're one of those Americans. I know you're out there. 800-259-9231. It's okay to be in the minority. It doesn't mean we'll shut you out from our show. You know, as as Americans, it's easy to discount the deaths of other people's, um, other countries' people. Uh, you know, it's it's just easy. I don't know why that is. Well, They're people. But you know, if a plane crashes, um, 179 people um, were killed, and two of them were Americans. I mean, now that's how it's reported, and mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Um, so I mean, it's easy to discount the 600,000 people that have died, and perhaps 60,000 of them or so that we've we've killed. Um, but you know, and you can also look at. Um, you know, we depose Saddam or whatever, but 
when you look at the things that are lost, I mean, you can look at the soldiers and say, well, they volunteered for the army, and they knew that the possibility existed that they were going to go over there and fight and, and die, three, almost 3,000 of them. But, you know, I'm an American, and this awful, stupid war has spent, what, $600 billion, $500 billion of our dollars? Ooh, I mean, counting? more than World War II, more than Vietnam, more than any other war ever. And this isn't even a declared war, and this is some crappy little backwater country. How can you support it? 800-259-9231. Hour number three is on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and we're kicking off hour number three of the Saturday edition, New Year's weekend edition of the show. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they're totally free. That's freetalklive.com. Our number, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. I, I asked last hour, the last segment, segment of the uh, the last hour, how you felt about this whole Saddam situation. He's dead now, and I wonder if you feel like Saddam's death was worth it. Worth the thousands of American boys and girls who've been killed uh, in so-called service to their country. Worth it in terms of the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis that have also perished. What do you think? 800-259-9231 as we go to the phones. Uh, let's talk to Dave in Washington listening on KUSA. Hello, Dave. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. First of all, I want to wish you a Happy New Year. Thanks, Thank Dave. Thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I just want to let you know that I, the way I feel about Saddam is, you know, I see... Bush is pretty much as guilty as he is. I mean, hmm. he's supposed to be stopping the violence and war, and uh, he's got men over there fighting, continuing the war. Who, wait, who is supposed to be stopping violence and war? Bush? Bush. He's got our troops out there dying, um, so he's pretty much killing his own, our own people. Yeah, that is um, what he's doing, and uh, it's no problem for him because he's not the one taking the bullets. Oh, no, no. Uh, you know, as for Saddam, I understand that he's done... Bad things and all, but um, I think you know Bush. Bush had a kind of a personal conflict with him, and I don't really see him going after Bin Laden. No, I, I you know I don't see him going after Bin Laden either. And it, to me, it's it's really sad that uh, you know for whatever reason we've we've stopped going after him. And it, it, and it appears to me like they've just entirely stopped doing it. But he came out and uh, said to the press that they were no longer after. Oh, he's no big deal. I'm not, not after that Bin Laden anymore. You know, <laughs> I think we should. Uh, I think that I'm I'm fine with wars. I think we should just redesign them. And here's how I do. Fine I'm with fine wars. with them. Here's how we should redesign wars. If politicians want to have wars from here on out. I think we should have to. Um, you, they should have to go. You know, we'll use a football stadium, put them in there with knives, and make them fight each other to the death, yeah. and televise it. Now, Heck yeah, I'd pay for that pay per view. Just a there few people go. die, and you know they weren't any good anyway. They were just politicians, right? And right. look at all the ratings. How much revenue is going to be generated by those commercials? Right. At, you know, the yeah. politicians would probably have fewer wars if they thought perhaps they would die instead of somebody else's kid. Correct. Sure. And I think that this is the way we should do it from here on out. I think that's yeah. why we should elect these people to actually do some service for How us. How about a death Fight match? Fight our wars for us. How about like a duel to the death? I mean, uh, he's, he's talking a lot of trash about Kim Jong-il. Let's call up Kim 
and uh, let's invite him to a like a ring. You know. You think you're so tough, Kim, with your silly little pompadour? I dare you. I just double dare, dog dare you to get in the ring with our boy George Bush with a couple of machetes, and you two can go at it. How about a uh, how about a cage match? Yeah, only go. one man can come out alive. I agree. Dave, it's thanks awesome. for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And you know that would satisfy the bloodlust that so many Americans have. I mean, they love getting all riled up to go and fight a war and yeah. kill some foreigners. Well, in this case, you'd still get some blood. You'd still get some death. It would just be a politician that bought the farm. I think it's a brilliant idea, Mark. And I I'm think on that's board where completely. we should go with it from here, from here on out. Let's talk to. I Ed. mean, now there's a good use for the UN. I mean, what a crappy organization in general, but. Now, UN Deathmatch. That's right, baby. Let's go to uh, Ed in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Greetings, gentlemen. Hey, hey. Ed. What's on your mind? Well, you know, uh, firstly, um, I am just uh, so ashamed at the actions of our government that, you know, uh, in the pursuit of empire, we're destroying other people's lives. You know, uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, I, am, I am no fan of. I'm sure he was a... A terrible tyrant. Uh, yeah, if anybody most... deserved the death penalty, you know, I mean, I, I feel like Saddam Hussein's at least on the top 100 list. Oh, certainly. And, you know, from everything that I've read, my, I, I guess my uh, conspiracy theory, if you will, would be that, um, you know, if we go back to the 80s when Saddam was our boy doing our bidding against Iran, mm. um, you know, with the, the famous picture with Rumsfeld shaking his hand, etc., mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, he was probably a, a canary that was ready to sing about a lot of... Um, uh, Pretty bad things our government has been involved in, and I, I think that uh, Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld and, and all the rest of the cabal are probably pretty happy that he's silenced now. Good point. And, you Absolutely. Know, I, I just wonder, you know, why they had to go through this, you know, Soviet kind of show trial of, you know, and so forth. And my gosh, weren't there other things that he was guilty of that he could have been brought up on trial about as well? I'm you know, sure I'm, there I'm were. Just, I'm quite sure he was. You know, I'm, not, I'm just. I guess what I'm saying is I think they, they, they wanted him silenced and out of the way so that way he wouldn't sing about... You know, I find it very strange. Um, for whatever reason, the press is allowed to come in and interview all kinds of convicted killers here in the United States. The United States was holding um, Saddam Hussein um, until right. the last moment when we turned him over to uh, um, his, the yeah. Shiites. Um, and how come we didn't allow press in there to interview Saddam in his jail cells and ask him all Maybe kinds of... Maybe it's because of, uh, of what Ed was suggesting. Yeah. I, that's, I, I really, you know, I believe that that's really it, that uh, Saddam Hussein really does know where a lot of bodies are buried. Ed, any yeah, other thoughts? And, yeah, and I, I think, uh, our, you know, uh, unfortunately, our government is complicit in all this. And, you know, uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, I really do feel like we are uh, out of control. Our government is completely out of control and has been for a long time. I don't know if you have you guys ever read um, the Sorrows of Empire by Chalmers Johnson. No, so our not. military is in in over 140 countries around the world. Yep, you know, I thought it was a hundred and th- over 130, uh, but okay. Who's counting? Okay, well, right, well, uh, give or take. Yeah, give but, or uh, take. <laughs> but the, but the bottom line is that you know we have such a military empire throughout this world. You know, I always ask people, and they think I'm nuts, but you know, how would you feel if the Red Chinese had a military base, you know, in your neighborhood? I think it's an excellent question, and I think it's totally fair. It's I think a fair question. I think it's enmeshed in that whole. But we're Americans. Yeah, we're you know, and guys. somehow we're better than the rest of the people right, that draw because, breath because and their we're hearts born beat, somewhere. you know, or something like that. I don't understand why it is, but, you know, our flag is better, our, um, you know, Pledge of Allegiance is better. As a matter of fact, we're the only country with a Pledge of Allegiance, really, um, that uh, uses it. Right? It, well, it yeah. was. I, I, yeah, Francis Bellamy in the late 1800s, rabid right. socialist and Nazi, actually. And wh- one could argue fascist at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, it's, 
it's because we're Americans, we're allowed to do this. It's our birthright. It, God has give, ordained us to kill the savages that do not um, come under our heel. And, you know, um, the, the thing that bothers me completely, and it bothers you two guys as well, I'm sure, that you know, we have no moral right to inflict ourselves upon anyone. We do not. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that we do, um, it, it just makes me, well, let me put it this way, I think today, and, and um, I think that true patriots withhold taxes in any way they can. I agree to completely. I concur. You know, um, you know about the... Um, uh, the oh shoot I've just forgotten the moral what he, right the moral right um to to, to go in and and uh, free people and that kind of thing is sure some people wanted to be freed under Saddam and some people in the country wanted him to stay the whole idea that we um that our country's leadership um represents us and then therefore their country's leadership represents them absurd it's absurd and you know most like, of America is not represented by its government and and in, in the because most of America didn't vote for George right. Bush now I'm not saying the people that did voted um did vote there was a majority but the vast majority of Americans didn't vote um, right. And, you know, the aid that we send to um, other governments for the, from this government, you know, they take they forcefully extract our taxes from us and then they send it to other countries. Well, they don't send it to the, the country. They give yeah. it to the um, they give it to those uh, the the leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I always look into the Constitution for that, you know, clause that gives the government the right to steal my money and give it to a foreign government. It doesn't I, matter. I, I, I mean, if, even if that was in there, I, it would still just be something that some men wrote down on a piece of paper. And men don't have the right to steal things from other men. Uh, whether it's done by government or individuals. I exactly. And, uh, Ed, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. At 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line. I like that Ed touched on the uh, the moral claim, you know, mm -hmm. oh, well, we're the United States, and we have a moral authority to go around the world and enforce our way upon everyone else. Well, there's actually two moral violations the, um, going on here. There's the moral um, the moral violation of going and enforcing our way upon another country and, mm -hmm. and its people, but there's also the moral violation of enforcing our way on our own people, in that there's a significant chunk of Americans that didn't want to go to Iraq, that didn't want to uh, pay to fight the war in Iraq. But we're all forced to, by the point of a gun, participate in funding this insanity. And that's the other moral uh, qualm that I have with this. I don't want to pay for the violence. But I'm forced to. It's being done in my name, whether I like it or not. And that's why I agree with Ed that the most patriotic of individuals in the United States are those who withhold taxes, those who don't pay into the system. Not to mention pretty courageous people, too. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Coming up, there's a lesson in Saddam's death for Americans. I'll tell you what it is. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they're totally free. And that does include live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version for your listening convenience for free at freetalklive.com. Plus, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1,000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. You have less than 24 hours 
to be one of the final signers of the first 1,000 pledge. The pledge has at this point reached 1,000 names. It's good news, but that doesn't mean that we should stop. I'd no. like to see it reach uh, 1,100 yeah. by tomorrow night. It could happen. It sure could happen. So uh, People we, are still signing up. We still want you to be on board. Uh, head over to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. I want to talk about Saddam Hussein and the lesson hidden amongst all of this controversy for all Americans. But first, we go to the phones and to Nick in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Nick in New Hampshire, hello. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, I was just, I was actually calling in because I wasn't sure if you'd heard that first 1,000 hit it, but <laughs> it did. It does. <laughs> it did indeed. That now. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I did want to talk about Saddam a little bit. Um, I don't think that by hanging him with worth it or it justifies the war. I've never supported the war, and I don't think this justifies it anymore. Mm-hmm. But I am glad he's dead. Yeah, you know, I, I, I I'm I, sort of I, of the same opinion. I, I don't feel yeah, glad. I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm of. I have very little feeling that Saddam Hussein's dead. I mean, there's a murdering uh, dictator who's, who's been killed. Good. You know, it's kind of how I feel. Though, so as Ed pointed out in the last segment, what information died with him? Um, that's true. I don't know if he really would have revealed that information had we not killed him. Yeah, true. Nonetheless, uh, any other thoughts for us? No, uh, I'm just glad whenever a tyrant hangs, basically. So. <laughs> I wish more tyrants I would hang. I, I know some people have the opinion that nobody should be executed, but in this particular case, I would say... More power to them. You'll make an exception. And and I understand completely, and I would like to see more tyrants hang, like the uh, tyrants in Washington, D.C. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Nick. 800-259-9231. You know, about 500 and, or what is it, 435 or so of them? Maybe 433 of them should hang, I think. What, it, in, That'd be in, nice. In, in, here in, in the DC. United States? Yeah. Oh, I see. That'd be great. That's just the legislators. That'd make me feel all warm and cozy. Uh, let's continue with the calls to Terry in West Virginia, listening on Super Talk. Hello, Terry. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, fellas. It's been a long time. Um, hey. I am calling to comment because I'm I'm kind of on two sides of this, where I have to agree with you guys that you can't basically start a war with the whole world. But on the flip side is that, you know, with a lot of Muslim ideology, they have a religion that basically says, you know, you either convert or we you know, kill the infidels, you really can't, you can't live happy with people that have that type of ideology. Okay, Eventually, I've heard those allegations it's gonna before. It's going to be one huge war, and do you, do you knock them down before they have power? Do you Terry, let them I've heard those allegations before, but if what you're saying is really true, Terry, if what you're saying is really true, then why is it that the Muslims here in America aren't out uh, conquering other people? Oh, I don't think, I think it's completely, it's kind of like our religion, well, our Christianity, some people's religion, where they just pick and choose what they want, and I'm sure Muslims do the same So then what's thing, the issue? The radical Muslims are pre- preaching that, and they're growing and growing and growing. So with that type of ideology, do you, uh, do you want to stop it while it's smaller, or do you wait until it gets absolutely out of control and, you know, you okay. can't stop it? I'd like to rebut that from a different um, uh, point of view, Terry. Um, the radical, I believe, um, this is this is a belief of mine, and, and, you know, you can believe otherwise if you wish, but uh, I believe that the radical Muslims' uh, philosophy is taking hold because people see that what the, some of what they're saying is true. Like, the Westerners are trying to take over our land, 
And, you know, people say, oh, my God, the Westerners are trying to take over our land. They've been in here for the last hundred years drawing up countries and saying, you know, they we came right in after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Killing and we, people. You know, we do whatever the hell we want to do over there. Up. I mean, and if they don't like it, we kill them. And, yeah, no, radical Muslim philosophy is taking hold. Why do you think it's taking hold? Because the harder you squeeze your fist the more stuff squirts through. Stop squeezing the fist on these people. Get out of their lives. Get out of their countries. And I swear to God, man, I swear to God, they'll leave us alone. Terry? I don't, I, I, I would love to believe that. I just don't know. Well, you, you the, I understand. That, you know, it's just the premise, guys, that you're, you're kind of skating over is you have a religion that says either convert or kill the infidels. And that's that's kind of hard to... I mean, how do you? I would love to live peacefully, and there's a lot of Muslims here that that want to live peacefully. But mm-hmm. look, I can Muslims... t- I can quote to you out of the Bible where God said um, to uh, Joshua, um, was it Joshua? Joshua, just before they um, entered the the city of Jericho, that um, they kill every man, woman, and child and sheep in the city oh. of Ai. And, Before, and believe if me, they, they've killed a lot of people for Christianity too. I'm not. Uh, all that, that. That's what I'm saying to you, though. No, I'm, not saying, I'm saying that, to you, you can't. You aren't comparing. You're not comparing um, the religions fairly. I know how Christianity is because I live here and I feel relatively safe in the presence of the Christians. I don't know much about the Muslim philosophy, and you can tell me anything about it. Like if I live in West Virginia, you can just say the Muslims are coming and they're bloodthirsty. They hate our way of life. And, you know, I, I guess I could believe you. But on based on what? What do you believe that on? Yeah, and until the uh, killing... Well, I've been over to the Muslim countries. All they want to do is sell me a bunch of trinkets. <laughs> That's pretty they, funny. Uh, none of them came going, ay, 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 and trying to stab yeah, me. You're making good points, but I'm also, uh, you know... You're scared, is what you are. You're scared. No. You're just scared. Well, here's scared. why I'm getting this information, Mark, okay. is most of the wars in the world involve Muslims on one side. Almost all the wars so that are going on right now. Right now, but hold on, hold on. That's not fair at all. Fifty years ago, most of the wars um, involved uh, communists on one side. We had to kill all the communists then. And we didn't. And we failed. And now the communists are in charge here in the United States. By the way, Terry, for all of your scare, you know, all the scary things you've said about the Muslims wanting to be radical and kill people, um, until they actually start killing... It's not appropriate to go and initiate force on others. I mean, we're not exactly setting a good example I, I agree. here. I mean, once you start taking preemptive strikes, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous road to walk on. But on the other hand, it's one of those things where you say, well, we saw it coming. Why didn't we do anything? And, and so that's why I say I'm kind of no, on both we sides. Didn't, it's, it's no, really we didn't. No, hold on, Terry. Don't use the term we. The water. But wait a minute. Don't use a collectivist term like we. Why didn't we do anything? I didn't do anything. And I don't want to have anything to do with the, uh, the fight that is going on between the uh, the government of the United States and its people and whoever it is that they want to go and pick a fight with, whether it be Muslims or Japanese people or whoever it is they hate at the current moment. We is not a, a correct term at all because I, an individual, don't want to be involved. And if I don't want to be involved, the government's going to come around eventually and take me out because I didn't want to support their preemptive war against whoever it is they've chosen to uh, to preemptively strike against. No, it's it's a good point. I believe me, I'm no big fan of the government in any means, but I, I was just more concerned about that uh, 
what I had brought up earlier, and, and you guys made some good points. So thank you, Terry. Well, the fact to, is, you know, Terry, ahead with it. thank you for the call, man. We we appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line. You can think whatever you want about other people's religion. I don't think very highly of much of many many religions at all. I'm an atheist. But I'm not gathering together with the rest of the atheists in the world to try and go take out the religions because I think they're bad news. Because I want to get the jump on them. It's just wrong. It's initiated force. And it's wrong in any situation. More on the way. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Saturday edition. We're here in the studio with you. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. That does include live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version for your listening convenience at freetalklive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. Or call 1-800-657-5066. Now, as always, you can uh, dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231 and bring up whatever's on your mind. Talking about Saddam Hussein, his, uh, his death, the, the whole situation in Iraq in general. So if you've got comments on that, you're certainly welcome to dial in. But I wanted to share what I thought, Mark, was the lesson to be learned here for all Americans, and in fact, anybody around the world. Oh, please, tell us why, Sage. Uh, who wants to get involved with dealings with the American government. There is a lesson here. Now, let's go back to the 1980s, back when, uh, as one of our callers earlier referenced, there was a photograph, Saddam, photograph, shaking hands with none other than Donald Rumsfeld, as he just, I guess, presumably had finished up uh, some sort of an arms deal, for instance. As many Americans know, and I think many Americans are blissfully ignorant of or have forgotten, the United States made Saddam. We're yeah. the ones who put him there in the first place. We made it possible. I believe we got him out of prison. Yeah, we made it possible for him to rule Iraq. We armed him to fight against the uh, the Soviets and the Iranians in the 1980s. We gave him the weapons that he allegedly used to kill his own people with later down the line. We were the ones. We, as in the government, not me. I wasn't a lot really. I was like in the in the 80s. I was a kid, but uh, back then. The United States government was the agency responsible for empowering this madman. And I think a lot of people either don't know or had forgotten that. And it's important to point out here, especially for the lesson that uh, that I'm to impart. Because today, a lot of Americans look to the government when they want to get something. Maybe something personal for themselves. Maybe they want to get a welfare check. Maybe they want to make their lives a little bit more comfortable with a government handout. Maybe they want universal health care. They don't want to have to worry about providing health care for themselves, so they want the government to do it. They turn to the government, or they don't want to educate their own children. 
they turn to the government. Right. They don't want to pay to educate their own children, or they don't. They want to make sure that other people's children are, um, you know, they want to make themselves feel better by making sure that all the poor children are taken care of. Or they don't want to pay the full bill, so they want some other people to pay part of their ed- children's education. Anyway, or maybe they want to suppress uh, one group or another. Maybe they feel like one group has uh, too many rights in America, and uh, you want to even the odds, level the play- uh, playing field, so to speak. Or maybe you're a business owner, and you want to make sure that new business people, uh, new startups, don't jump into the game and compete and take your customers away from you. So you lobby the government to create new rules and regulations on uh, the particular industry you're in. I could go uh, example after example. Essentially, of, everything that the government does is is one of these things that some American wants for themselves. Right. It's some American using the government, which is essentially a violent organization of people who are willing to use force on others to achieve political or social goals. In that's this all case, they can be. In this case, the goals of whoever it is that's in question here, whichever American. That American could be you, especially if you're somebody with ties to government. And the lesson that you should take away from this whole Saddam Hussein debacle is that the American government isn't your friend. And it doesn't matter if your friends are part of the American government. They won't be there forever. Eventually, somebody else is going to get in charge. Eventually, someone who isn't your friend is going to get in control of the reins of government. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about federal, state, or local governments. All of this applies. Because the government at all three of those levels is the same. It's a violent tool. It's a monopoly with a uh, coercion... It's a... An agency with a monopoly on coercive force. And if you believe that you can harness the power of the government for your own ends, as perhaps Saddam Hussein might have believed at one time, Saddam Hussein in the 1980s may have thought to himself, hey, these Americans, they aren't so bad after all. They're giving me weapons with which I can conquer other people. These Americans, they support the CIA. They're supporting what I do. I'm glad to have the American government on my side as I continue to tyrannize uh, the people in my land. Thank goodness the, the Americans are here. They'll never turn against me. But they did. Not only did they turn against Saddam, but they went uh, and captured him and hung him from the gallows yesterday. So he was sitting pretty. He was riding high. He was on top of the world for a long, long time. The dictator of an entire country living a lavish life. People feeding him, women feeding him grapes in his palaces. It must have been nice to be Saddam Hussein for a little while in the same way that it's nice to be a well-connected business owner who's getting regulations passed against his competitors. You know, um, I, I'd like to back up your statement with a, a quote from George Washington, if I may. Mm-hmm. George Washington, the first president of the United States and a wise, wise man, not known for his quotes, but um, here's a good one. Government is not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. George Washington felt the same way about government. Probably not the same way as you, but he did understand that government is dangerous Mm -hmm. and should be kept as small as possible. And kept at a distance. As soon as you embrace government for whatever ends it is that you have in mind, it doesn't matter how lofty your goals are. It doesn't matter how wondrous your vision is for the future of your 
group or America or your company or whatever. Your goals aren't the issue. The issue is you embracing the use of government force to achieve the ends that you've specified, to achieve what you want. You might actually get it. There's a chance, a very small chance, that you might get, for instance, if you're a business owner, the rules that you would like that uh, to be imposed on the new business people coming up. Or that you might get, if you're, a, for instance, a social planner, somebody that we talked about earlier in the show, you want to ban cigarette smoking. Maybe you'll get some new laws passed that will make it more difficult for people to get their hands on cigarettes. Maybe you'll feel as though you've won a victory. But it's going to be hollow over time. Because eventually, someone else will get in control of the reins of government. Again, a violent agency with right. a monopoly on coercive force. And they're going to turn it on you, right? You just know, as they did with Saddam Hussein. Even if it's somebody who decides that they're, you know, they have a great regulation that they want to get in play, mm-hmm. and that regulation is going to affect you, and it's going to cost you time, or it's going to cost you a lot of money. When we call, when you deal with the government, it never costs a little. There's always some cost, indeed. Uh, you're always going to lose something, whether it be time, money, or both. And uh, this is what I want Americans to take away from this entire Saddam Hussein situation. This is not an isolated incident. And no, you probably won't be hung from the gallows. But nonetheless, the principle is still in play. A violent group of people is always a violent group of people. And inevitably, someone else is going to get the reins of power, and you could be next. You can sit back and tell yourself, oh, no, 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 am I... (laughs) Uh, it's uh, I, I've got plenty of people in government. There, there's no way they're going to come after me. I'm so well entrenched, so politically connected. There's no way they're going to come after me or my movement or my organization or my business. But that's just talk. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Saddam Hussein certainly didn't think right. that he was going to be hanging from the gallows in the early 1980s. He thought he had it all. He was the man. He could do what he wanted. He could see the, run ra- roughshod over those people, and the United States didn't care. Do you Just see, like we don't care what they're doing in uh, Saudi Arabia right now with their people. Mm-hmm. We don't care. Do you see the comparison I'm drawing here? 800-259-9231. Don't be like Saddam. Don't trust the government. It doesn't matter who's in charge. They'll come after you eventually. This is Free Talk Live, and it is the live Saturday edition on New Year's weekend, the final Free Talk Live of 2006. Of course, we'll be returning Monday night, as always, to bring the show to you six nights a week here at freetalklive.com and on your local radio station as well. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. We ask, though, that you voluntarily choose to support us by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. If you like Free Talk Live, you like the message, you like uh, the website, and you want to support us, send us three bucks a month. It's a completely voluntary option, and over 300 of our listeners are participating. They have become Free Talk Live amplifiers, not only because they like the show and want to help us out, but also because they want to get their hands on a few perks like classic archives, the amplifier-only call-in lines, and more. Amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program. The idea is simple. You send in three bucks a month, and we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live, to getting the show on more radio stations around the country. And 2007 has been a great year 
for Free Talk Live expanding. I think we added about 11 stations throughout the year uh, this year at a rate of about one per month. In fact, we technically added a 12th one in December, but we haven't really gotten a signed agreement from them yet, so it's not official. It's but official as far as I'm concerned. If no, we're playing on the station, I don't care. Nonetheless, we appreciate everybody who helped us out so far this year with getting on local stations. And, of course, uh, big thanks to our stations and the pro- great program directors out there that have uh, taken the leap and added Free Talk Live when, you know, we didn't exactly pay him or anything like that. We aren't, weren't big names like Rush Limbaugh or anything like that. We don't have a multi-million dollar advertising campaign behind the show like Fox News. They went and launched their own satellite network uh, this past year or so, and mm-hmm. so they get millions of dollars to promote their shows. We've got AMP. And that's why we ask for your help. Amp.freetalklive.com. It makes a big difference. So we're talking about the lesson to be learned from this Saddam Hussein situation. That is, and it's a simple lesson, and all Americans should be well aware of it and apply it in their daily life. The lesson is, don't ask the government for help. And don't expect the government to come to your rescue. Because if you ask the government for help, and even if they happen to give it to you, it's only going to be a matter of time before the tables have turned, and and that same government that was at one time helping you has begun victimizing you. If you don't believe that that's the case, then you just haven't been paying attention to history, my friend. Because that's what happens with governments. Different people get in control, different people with different political connections get involved, and then then the rules change. And I think of some people just believe that they're immune from this. Some organizations, some uh, businesses, some charities. In fact, uh, speaking of charities, here's one example for you of uh, some people that are in the, the, the good graces of the government at the moment. At the moment. All of these things change over time. Michael Hampton reporting at Homeland Stupidity. Founded in 1888 as Traveler's Aid, the Heartland Alliance for Human Needs and Human Rights calls itself the country's premier service-based human rights organization. And while federal law may say they're a charitable organization, the truth is that the majority of their income for their humanitarian work, so-called, comes not from charitable contributions, but from taxes. Hmm. According to its latest annual report, in 2006, the Heartland Alliance took in $53 million in revenue. 74% of which came from, quote, grants and contracts from government agencies like the City of Chicago, the Illinois Department of Human Services, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, the U.S. Department of State, and many other local, state, and federal agencies. Only 13% of Heartland's revenue came from charitable contributions. Now, Heartland is after a $1.87 million Department of Homeland Security grant to purchase a home on the outskirts of Chicagoland to establish a second group home for juvenile aliens who arrive in the U.S. unaccompanied. Local residents around the proposed site are outraged in proposing an opposing a zoning variance because they think the children are going to be a problem. But Heartland's existing home in Chicago has not only proven to be a problem during its 11 years in operation, but the neighbors around it, excuse me, has only proven, has not only proven not to be a problem during its 11 years in operation, but the neighbors around it actually volunteer there. Many of the children who arrive in the U.S. unaccompanied are refugees or victims of human trafficking. Others are children whose parents are detained at the border for criminal charges or immigration violations. Homeland Security sends these children to group homes such as Heartland's to await deportation proceedings or resettlement. 
The problem is not that Heartland Alliance is doing humanitarian aid. The problem is that you're forced to pay for it, whether you want to or not. At the point of the taxing authorities' guns, exactly what is charitable or humanitarian about this? Because the definition of a charity is that you voluntarily give them funds. Yeah, and what's humanitarian about uh, forcing somebody to give you money so that you can do what you want with it? Another problem is that by accepting government blood money, the Heartland Alliance is working against its own stated purpose of countering poverty. A study released this month shows that the states with the highest tax burdens also have the highest levels of poverty. Mm -hmm. California, at the rate it's increasing taxes on its own people, is set to be the poorest state in the country within a few short years. Illinois, also with a high tax burden, isn't too far behind. What this really does is to make more people poor, so that Heartland Alliance and other misguided organizations like it will need more money to provide poor people with services, most of which would have never needed them without the government policies which made them poor and keep them poor. And we've been over example after example of various different government programs that in, and policies that encourage poor people to stay poor. Welfare, the war on drugs, regulations, all of these things. Uh, help keep poor people poor. Also, the uh, the tax in Texas, uh, raising their cigarette tax by 343%. That's going to help keep poor people poor, too. Yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, more poor people smoke than, rich, than middle class and rich people. Michael asks, how much more could we contribute to charities doing real humanitarian work were we not forced to subsidize not only those organizations, but massive government bureaucracies besides? Winning the war on poverty is simple. All that needs to be done is to get the government out of it entirely and let we, the people, handle it ourselves. And I completely agree. And in regards to the Heartland Institute, or the Heartland Alliance, rather, and its $53 million in revenue, 75%, 74% came from government money, tax dollars, your money. Did you know you were contributing to the Heartland, uh, the Heartland Alliance? I didn't. No, I, I, I've never even heard of these people. I wonder how many other charities, charitable organizations, we are contributing to uh, via our tax dollars. You know, I'm sure they're really great and everything, but if they are really great and what they're doing is really great, can't they make it without their own? government handouts? Uh, you would think. In fact, they should make it on their own. I mean, this is the most generous country in the history of Earth. Can't charities make it without government handouts? I mean, now, obviously, this is a well-connected charity. Sure. I mean, clearly, they had some lobbyist somewhere that managed to get some politician that's, um, yep. you know, or two or ten or, um, you know, a hundred that said, yeah, I think we should give money to this organization. Aren't there a whole bunch of worthy charities out there that I should be able to voluntarily decide to whom I'm going to give my money and who I'm not? What about the charities that didn't get the government handout? And all this does is when a charity gets wind of another charity getting a government handout, all it does is encourage that charity to say, Hey, what about us? Unless they happen to have principles, and I'm sure there are charities out there that do, that don't accept any government money. In fact, I know there are. But nonetheless, there are going to be people running these charities that will say, Well, what about my charity? We sure. could use a few million bucks. Hey, we're helping kids too. Why don't you give us that, uh, some of that cash? And then you get more charities on the government dole. And going back to what I said before about the lesson to be learned here in the whole Saddam Hussein debacle is once you accept government money, in many cases, you're it's like taking the 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're accepting 
this sort of carrot on a stick style situation where there's inevitably going to be some strings attached sure there is. to the government money. They're going to say they're going to come in there and say, "So you uh, want your check this month, huh? Well, we don't think this is some, appropriate. We got some OSHA rules we, you need to abide by. We have some right. uh, you know federal mandates that uh, looks like you're not uh, sticking with. Right. So now all of a sudden your charity that at one time had focused on helping people mm-hmm. now you've got to refocus at least some of your efforts. You've got to ha- have a few staff members refocus on jumping through the government hoops. Right. So you can get more of the government handouts. Which means that. Money, more of the money, well, a larger percentage of the money that you were taking in originally now goes to fulfilling rules and requirements. And, and you're farther along the way to being the government itself where 70 cents on every dollar they take in is, is used in order to pay middle class bureaucrats paychecks. Not to help people, not to actually do anything, but to pay the paychecks of the people that work for the government. And the other problem... This is not an industry. Industries produce something. Exactly. By the way, the other problem with charities getting hooked on government money is that, like money that uh, unlike money that they get from you and I, they're less likely to use it as wisely. Because it's like a windfall. It's like a windfall of cash for them. Oh, let's spend it on some office furniture. When it, they get it from you and I, they have to spend it carefully. And if they don't, then you and I might not give them money next time, whereas the government probably will, as long as they still get their buddies there. We'll see you next year. It's been Free Talk Live. Enjoy your weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.